0: Patrick will be your official interviewer. Uh, I'm just here for jokes. And Nathan... I'm here for bad jokes. You're here for good jokes. Yeah. Well, I'm just here for... <laughs> I don't know about good
1: jokes. You're here for dad jokes. I certainly jokes. give it...
0: I give it the old college... Try. Uh, is, that, is that what we say? Yeah. I'm, I'm here okay. to drink some maku. <laughs> it's like, I'm just here to drink. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
2: You're listening to The John Tree Show hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean-American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ.
1: Welcome back to the John Chi Show. This is episode 35. I am Nathan from
0: Colorado. (laughs) I'm Patrick from Indiana, (laughs) and I am KJ from South Korea.
2: (laughs) Heyo!
0: Wow!
2: Worldwide on
3: G
1: Show, we are back (laughs) with another episode, and Patrick's losing it because. That's what he does. Because Patrick is drunk right now. Full yes. disclosure. Patrick Full disclosure. Is we might have shlossed. drank slightly before this intro, but I look hot that's right now. Okay. We have an amazing show, but before we get to our amazing, show... yeah, what show, you're hearing as the intro is the outro oh, yes. of to the outro of this current episode. That's, so that's like that's where we're at right now. You're, you're going yeah, yeah, yeah. messing with everyone's minds now. <laughs> uh, we have an amazing in, interview today, though we do, and we had an amazing outro drink control. <laughs> <laughs> See, see, now I'm really confusing everyone. Yeah,
0: Nathan's really feeling it. He's like, guys, no. I'm feeling.
1: Good. You said it first, yeah. and then I we was. Had to like we, re- had we had a good interview. We had a good outro. We had a good outro. We had a good intro. Who do we talk with? We talked to Liz Kleinrock, who is an amazing, amazing educator <laughs> and of the world. <laughs>
4: I'll let you guys <laughs> talk about it. Oh, yeah. about
1: John Chi first. I
4: but. was no. going to introduce her as an educator <laughs> of children by day and an educator bu- of adults by other time of day because yeah. she's constantly educating adults. That's true. Which I thought was funny. Sure, you do that. Uh, which we'll, doesn't we'll really translate let's over in this that, intro. So, yep. no, <laughs> so, no, <laughs> let's move past it. No, yeah, it's yeah,
0: super move. exciting. Um, at, at Liz. Nope, just Liz Kleinrock of Teach and Transform Fame. Uh, it is really, really fantastic to uh, to have her on the show. But before we do that, this is the intro, and we're not actually we're not going to talk about anything uh, Korean related because it's been a minute since we have the so three of us. Technically, we're have, Korean related. You're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> but we're not related but, uh, Koreans. Hey. Oh, uh, okay. Nope. I like that. See that? You just nice. you just took your shot, and then I just went up and goaltended. You and just became
4: motombo, swami. No, you goaltended me, so no, I still I just scored. Goaltended, so yeah. I still scored.
0: No, I don't care. It's good. Okay. Uh, may, are those the rules now? If you get called a point, I shot it I <gasps> back up. Yeah, we'll if get...
4: you goaltend, you get the points. The team that yeah, up. The the team I didn't know that I know what?
1: nothing what? about it's the automatic NBA. points if you goaltend. Right.
0: KJ don't do sports. Wait, how long has that been a rule? Of forever. Since oh, okay. I definitely hanging didn't know that. A rule. All right. All right. Well, whatever. Um, it's been a long time since we have talked, since we have caught up. And a lot of things have changed. Patrick got a new job. Nathan moved states and time zones, and also I'm still here in Springfield, Missouri, hanging out. So a lot of things Have changed very different. How how are you? How are you guys? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, KJ. You seemed like you were suffering. I feel like I look really good right now. Like it was a large endeavor. Was it as large as you wrote on social media? Any
1: move is easy. I mean, a move across the city is hard. A move from a house to an apartment, anything, even if it's next door, is hard. But yeah, I moved from California to Colorado with three kids and drove three days. I mean, you you made a whole adventure of your drive. We did. We stopped at a couple places, and and, and, and it was fun. And I I have to admit, it was better than expected. Really, the kids actually. um, There was only a few meltdowns, which were is again to be expected, but for the most part, it was very um, you know peaceful, and a lot of time the kids slept, and we sang a lot of songs. There there may have been a few songs on repeat one too many times, but, um, was we, it let it go? <laughs> we, yeah, no, no, actually they were, they were singing like, um, Into the unknown Do Re Mi from, you know, sound of music, but yeah. So we had a lot of, of, um, fun and it was a good time and we got here and now we are at my parents' house. We've been here for, uh, almost 10 days and it still feels like a vacation because this is the first time, a that I've seen my parents in a year, yeah, um, in over a year, um, but B, it's like we're staying at their house, so it still feels like a vacation because of that. It's we're not in our new house yet, and, uh, um, but it's been it's been fun. It's been great to, um, play in the snow, which we lucky and unluckily got here right when there was some snowfall coming. It's currently snowing right now out the out the window, um, but they're loving that. They love playing in the snow. They they uh, stick their tongue out, which they've never done before, and try to catch snowflakes on their tongue. And so little things like oh, that. Oh yeah, because they really cool.
0: yeah they would have never experienced snow really. Nope.
1: the only time um, they ever have seen snow is at a fake snow event <laughs> at their daycare. <laughs>
4: so what do they um, think? What yeah. are the, which do they like better, the real snow or the fake snow?
1: Well, they like the real snow, for sure. Um, however, <laughs> we didn't come prepared with the right amount of uh, clothing, and uh, so they are a little cold at times. Sure, and their yeah. hands were freezing and things like that, but uh, it's all part of the process, right? Like,
0: that's frostbite, kids. Exactly. <laughs> no! Hey,
1: welcome. Now you know. Don't touch it too much. There you go. Don't, you know.
4: don't lick that pole. Yeah, that's bowl. funny. Yeah, <laughs> lick
1: that bowl. I had to teach them about, like, see that over there? That's yellow snow. Yeah, don't eat it. <laughs> yeah. See, some animal came by. Yeah. Just don't touch it. No, nope, nope. nope. don't touch it. Don't touch it. Stop it. Put it down.
0: <laughs> you know what? Honestly, people talk about yellow snow, and I legitimately forget that animals also pee. And so <laughs> I was like, yeah, some drunk person just peed in the snow, so don't eat don't the yellow snow. I'm like, no, no, no. It actually makes way more sense that animals just pee yeah. wherever they want. You it just isn't so. going around assuming that it was <laughs> yeah, a, just some a drunk person peeing. Some out. drunk guy was just pulling down his pants. He's like, I got to pee here is fine. Well, so. I mean. That's pretty par for the course for drunk people. That is true. And we made our
4: first
1: snowman. And so we were kind of rolling the snow. And uh, my parents have bunny rabbits bouncing around in the yard when it's not snow, of course. And they leave, of course, their little droppings. So as I'm rolling this ball (laughs) of snowman, I'm, (laughs) I'm noticing that I'm also collecting more than just snow. And so as I finished the snowball, the first base of it, I'm thinking, okay, guess we're not going to need any charcoal for the, for the buttons.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, buttons are covered and I'm going to go wash my hands now. Exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully you had gloves on. You weren't rolling the snow on.
4: Nope. He with, didn't. Uh, they the don't have gloves in I LA, had gloves dude. My kids <laughs> they think don't gloves. sell those.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: we bought ourselves gloves, not <laughs> our children.
1: <laughs> but how about you guys? How's your new job, Patrick? How are you liking it? Yeah, that? dude. It's great it's great <laughs> <laughs> and
4: end scene no i like, really, right, I, uh, really so <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it so i'm with i really i i'm really enjoying it i hate to say this because it's not this is this critique of like working culture is not a critique on if you have a job anywhere, but this is the first time in a long time that I felt like I've have a job. That's a job. Like it's an actual career of a thing, um, to do. And it's weird kind of, because I've lived a, so much of my life bouncing from job to job, uh, just making ends meet, uh, essentially for the majority of my working career. So this job, even though I've only been there for two, three weeks now, it's been, it's been a welcome change, and that's I've awesome. been really
0: enjoying it.
1: Oh, we are happy that you are happy.
4: Thank
0: Dude, you. I can tell by uh, how much more free time you have, and you're just like <laughs> also not complaining about your job, so that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah I yeah. guess I was complaining about my job, which- You were. My previous job, which I mean, which is understandable, you know, like jobs, like you spend a lot of time doing your job, so you're going to have complaints, but like, yeah, I can just tell a load has been lifted, so that's exciting for you. Yeah. Um... At the time of recording, I just got done with a 48-hour film competition, which, Janchi people, I'm going to need your help voting on because there is an audience favorite. Uh, so as soon as the link goes up, I'll be posting it nice. um, and would love for you to go see it and vote on it. I think it's a really fun, fun film. And sure, uh, it's amazing. I'm, just, I'm really proud of our team, honestly. Um, this has just been, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. And then uh, I also have a new single coming out on Friday, which I'm excited about. Um, it's a sad boy tune. Um, but I think, you know, it's good. Like my first one was sad, but hopeful. This one is just sad. So when you're deep in your feels, I hope that it, uh, it gives you some, some comfort. Oh, Nathan, I wanted to tell you, man, um, your post about being with your parents after a year, I was like, mm. man, that really, Yeah. I deeply resonate with that. You know, mm. like Sarah and I being away from family, like that's been our thing, you know, like we went. 18 months without really seeing our family uh, or a year without seeing our family. And then, you know, it's just been, it's been hard. So I know that that resonated with a lot of people, um, but just, I'm, I'm excited for that. Sarah and I are moving back to Dallas. She's got a She has a new job lined up, which is really exciting. Ooh. So nice, yeah, now I just, uh, Congrats I up. have to get a job now. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah way to go. V proud of you. <laughs> it's
1: been, it's been good. It, it's definitely made it worth it for sure being here. Um, and, uh, seeing the interactions, although you know it's been almost 10 days i don't we're not kicked out yet but <laughs> there may be a point where
0: <laughs> like, like yeah okay. you don't need to come you visit guys, us you, for you, a while you, you're,
4: you're good you can go
1: now <laughs> back to your house if you'd like
4: so that's the thing with like if i had to do that with my parents they'd be like yeah you can come put stuff here but go stay at a hotel don't yeah. stay with us <laughs> you can be in mean, close proximity but not in the same house let's not, not that close that. Yeah. Yeah. we have the same relationship like my sister she was like let's keep at least a two hour, three hour flight difference between us. Then we'll be close <laughs>
0: enough. But me, I'm like, we can make it a couple dri- a couple hour drive. Just, Just live near live it. near a major airport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's easily accessible, but like not too accessible. Exactly.
4: The Salt Lake <laughs> like Airport, awesome. not a fun one. Not a fun one really? to access. Yeah. The, I have never well, been
0: there. So I
4: feel like it's been a perpetual state of remodeling for since my oh. sisters lived there. And I feel like the like where you pick up like the arrivals where you're getting picked up by the cars is just poorly laid out. So, well, I mean, this airport conversation could be a whole intro and in it's of itself. I was going to say, of, like, I, I think got a we lot moved of opinions about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Again, let's, let's <laughs> give her the
4: justice she deserves. Yeah, absolutely. that's true. we we won't talk about airports. KJ, did you want to introduce... Well, wait, before, we, before
0: we get too deep, I just want to say um, we've had a number of people who have bought merch from our store mm. who have uh, supported us on Buy Me a Coffee, and I just want to say thank you so much. I yes. We cannot express enough how much it means to us that people support us and appreciate us so much that they are willing to literally put money there. Um, and that, I mean, I'm not going to speak for my co-host, but for me, that is just such... Um, such a show of support uh such a um just a means of saying like i love you i love i love what you're doing this is great um so i just want to say i feel that love i really really appreciate it i've had a number of people who have talked to me and for who are personal friends who listen to the show after our um stop aap i hate conversation um who just checked in on me or said hey I, i donated or um you know whatever and that means a lot you know um for me, I have just spent so long lately feeling unheard or unseen by people in my life that I feel like I should be seen and heard by. Um, but Chi people, you have really come through. You have really uh, shown your support and, and shown your love for us. Um, so really, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Patrick's mom. <laughs> thanks you right Cheryl. i was getting too Cheryl. serious yeah, a I little know. too earnest
1: i'll throw yep. that out there too but no, no thank you very appreciative um mm-hmm. for the support for the coffees but also for buying some merchandise and wanting to drink out of a coffee cup with our logo on it so.
4: <laughs> i will say we whenever we get appreciate. those emails those notifications it's always a surprise honestly i always like mm-hmm. sometimes forget that we even have that available and then to find just to see a random person purchase something from our from our store is You you just
1: call your mom a random person. Yeah, just a rando off the
0: street, (laughs) totally rando. Cheryl the rando. Um, I mean, she would be to me. We've never met, so I've no. I don't even know what she looks like besides the fact that she has some tattoos. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I showed you guys pictures, but I will. I'll I'll do that
4: later. But (laughs) as we were talking about before, we have a great interview to get to. Um, Our guest today is Liz Kleinrock. The amazing person behind the handle at Teach and Transform on Instagram and Twitter, um, an educator who teaches anti-bias and anti-racist work to children during the day, and is doing the same thing on her social media platforms for adults and um, people of all ages. Uh, on at another time of day, she's an author, a speaker, and all-around really great person. Uh, can't wait for you guys to hear that interview. So let's roll it. Boom. 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 Welcome back, everybody, to The John Chi Show. We are here with special guest Liz Kleinrock. Very excited for this conversation, Liz. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
4: Well, we appreciate you joining us on the first day back from spring break. Um, Liz is an educator, and we're definitely going to get into that. But as we start off all of our interviews, I was hoping you could share with our audience a little bit about your adoption story.
2: Sure. So I was born in South Korea. Um, and was not from Seoul or Busan. I was from um, what is known as Tolabakto uh, or like Iksan. I think it's known as now. Um, it's like pretty rural. And I was given up for adoption before I was born. Um, and lived with a foster mother until I was about five or six months old, and then arrived in the U.S. Um, I was adopted by an Ashkenazi Jewish family here in D.C. I have a pretty great relationship with my parents. like We're really close. Um, That's certainly... Doesn't mean that there hasn't been a number of traumas or, you know, um imposter syndrome or anything that comes along with being adopted. But I am, I know, like very lucky um, and very fortunate to have a great relationship with them and be very close with them. Um, so I grew up in Upper Northwest DC, which is like a predominantly white quadrant of DC, even though know, it's known as like being Chocolate City, Cappuccino City. Um, and the only other Korean people in my neighborhood ran the dry cleaners a couple of blocks (laughs) away from where I grew up. All right. Um, Yeah. I went to an independent school in the city and, you know, like counting, I can probably count on like maybe one hand, maybe two hands, the number of East Asian and South Asian students in my graduating class. I think I tried recently, there are maybe seven of us total. So it really wasn't until college where I was around other Korean adopted people, Korean people um, like who grew up in Korea or Korean folks who grew up abroad or in the States. Um, It's actually the subject of a book that I'm starting to write, which I am also very excited about to unpack, but I think I just also got kind of off topic in my my adoption (laughs) overview. (laughs) No, girl, it's your story.
4: Just tell it. I also just got really excited that you said you're writing a book. Yeah, that's uh, exciting. about (laughs) that
0: specifically?
2: Yeah, I think that's like the overview, but I don't know. Do I want <laughs> okay, get into no. more detail? Oh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope, it is. No, that is, however much or however little you want to share, is perfect. Yeah.
4: So. Um. So to follow up on that, growing up, where you grew up, uh, like you said, predominantly white, were you grappling with your identity at that point, or was it after leaving? that area when you first started to uh, approach that?
2: I mean, I was very much grappling with it while I was growing up here. I think I've realized so much more in adulthood just because I didn't have like the lens or framework or language to describe what I was experiencing and how I was feeling. My parents are great. They're very like crying, like liberal, progressive White folks um, were also raised in an era where they believed that not noticing or pointing out someone's race was like the more polite thing to do. Um, so growing up, I did hear a lot of, well, we never thought about it from family members. Like, you're just one of us. Um, and it's like, that's very nice, I guess. Like the the positive <laughs> intention is there. Um, but the impact is I had a completely different experience. And that has actually framed a lot of the work I do with students around perspective taking that you know, you can be in a group of people experiencing the same thing, but based on your identity, the way that you receive it and experience it can be really different. So we didn't really talk about it. And growing up in, you know, like the nineties and early two thousands, there certainly wasn't like as much of a prominent focus on talking about identity in school and like racialized identity and like what this really means. So like my dad has like all these ridiculous and funny stories of driving carpool and i'm like the only asian kid all the other kids are white and i made a comment i think this was in kindergarten of like i'm adopted i'm korean and all the other kids in the car said well i'm korean too and my dad is just like cracking up he's like they're not but they just don't even know what it means yeah um like they just wanted to be included in this
0: <laughs> it's just called dibs and like i'm also korean
2: right i are like oh okay <laughs> and i thought nothing of it um but like in, I grew up Jewish, and I still identify as Jewish, and my synagogue uh, clearly stood out. Like to this day, in most like Jewish spaces, I also stand out um, unless I'm in a particular community of Jewish people of color. Um, but that also contributed to a lot of like racial trauma that I experienced growing up and trying to reckon with the intersections of my Jewish identity, adopted identity, and Asian American identity too. There was there's a lot that you know, I've had to unpack in therapy in adulthood. Um, I'm very, you know, I love who I am and I'm, I'm very grateful for the experiences that I've had. But I think a lot of the work that I do with kids is also my way of trying to ensure that other children don't go through the same types of harm that I had to experience. Like I actually have a Korean adopted kid in one of my classes and every day I just wanna be like, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? Do you ever wanna talk? But he's like a 12 year old boy, so obviously he doesn't wanna talk to me about anything. But yeah. I, I reach out every now and then.
0: I I definitely understand that there is a group of uh, adoptees that I know. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Are you wrestling with the weight of imposter syndrome and coming out of the fog <laughs> like I am, or is it just me? Okay, no, great. And they're like ages, like six to seventeen. I'm like, y'all aren't ready for this baggage. When you're ready, I'll just be here for you. But go live your life. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I grew up Christian um, as. Many Korean adoptees that I've met have uh, been raised, and I, I was always curious about this. And I tried asking this in a synagogue that I visit, visited, and I don't think I was smart enough to phrase this right. But I'm curious, like being adopted into the Jewish faith, Judaism is, um, at least from my understanding, at both like a, a culture and a people and. A religious practice, right? Like they're, they're all kind of intertwined and exist in a way that is really unique in in my own worldview, right? So was that, I guess, a major impetus for some of that initial imposter syndrome? Like in the, the language of Christianity, there's a lot about being adopted into God's family and some of all that stuff, right? Um, but like for Judaism, you're just like, you're born into it. You are that. It just is a thing. So how did that play into um, kind of your wrestling with being adopted?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it, First of all, it definitely depends on, I think, the type of observant Jew that you are. Um, Certainly, if you are born into a Jewish family, um, traditionally, and like this is not how I see it, nor many progressive Jews see it, but religion is passed down through your mother's bloodline. So for, if you are like extremely, extremely observant, you might look at a Jewish person who is Jewish from their father's side and say, you're not actually Jewish.
0: Interesting. Um,
2: and therefore people who convert to Judaism are, in my perspective and that of many other Jewish folks, if you convert to Judaism, you are absolutely Jewish. Um, more observant folks might say, well, if you are not converted by an Orthodox rabbi, then I do not see you as a fellow Jewish person. Um and it is certainly, it has certainly been a challenge because like Judaism, yes, is known as being an ethno-religion. There are very diverse Jewish communities all over the world. You have like Ashkenazi Jews, which are the, you know, the dominant group that we see in the States. You have like, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David stereotype <laughs> of like, when I think when a lot of Americans think of Jewish people, like that's what you think about. Mm. Um, But there are Sephardic Jews from like North Africa and Spain. There are Mizrahi Jews from like Western Asia. There are Ethiopian Jews. Like there are Jews all over the world. And because so much of our bias in the way that we categorize Jewish people in the States, you know, are folks who look white, who have New York accents and are kind of pushy and like nag you a lot and like are really funny, you know, all of those stereotypes that come along with it. When you don't fit into that mold, it can be kind of confusing. Like there, I think was always like a a need for me to prove my Jewishness growing up that I feel like I've also like abandoned very much into adulthood. Like I am who I am if people have a problem with that, whatever, Um, but I definitely faced a lot of racism from within the Jewish community. Um, There was an incident when I was 15, my synagogue confirmation trip, we went to like Orthodox Hasidic Brooklyn, we had a tour by an uh, Orthodox Hasidic rabbi who took one look at me and told me in front of all of my friends that I was not a real Jewish person, would never be a real Jewish person, like based on what I looked like, um, even though like I had been raised into a Jewish family and everything, and that was super harmful. And I also I've asked my parents about this recently. I went to a sleepaway camp in upstate New York, where if you look at the whole camp photo, it's just like a sea of white faces. And there's like me <laughs> and there's like one black kid, and like that's it. <laughs> and um, a lot of harm was experienced there as well. That was the first place I was called a chink to my face. Um, that was the first place I had a a very white, like Abercrombie looking boyfriend when I was what, like 13 or 14 years old. Mm, and I very gosh. much remember him, right? Telling me after like parents weekend, like, oh, my family really liked you. But like my mom says, like, I can't marry someone like you.
0: Ugh.
2: And he, I don't think understood what that meant. And I I understood what that meant at the time. And um, yeah, just a lot of experiences like that. And it's really only in adulthood. I can look back and be like, damn, that was really messed up. Um, but there I was like a kid with no language or strategies or tools to like unpack that or process that. And yeah, luckily therapy is great. I have a great therapist. So we've done a <laughs> lot of, a lot of work around that.
4: <laughs> well, I think that leads me into my next question. Um, <clears throat> you know, we talk about as a, as adoptees having not recognizing really the trauma or realizing the traumas that we're facing as children until later in life. Um, and then for a lot of us, it's, been we're a lot of us are using the term coming out of the fog, um, or coming out of the fog of whiteness for you, Liz, uh, was there a moment like that specifically? Was it a buildup of moments? Uh, what was that like for you, um, in terms of as an adoptee and then also in terms of reclaiming, uh, your Asian American identity as well?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of that for me happened in college when I was around other Korean kids for the first time, um wanting so desperately to fit in and learning uh, through experience and trial and error that there are are still a lot of differences between folks who identify as Korean American and folks who have grown up in Korean culture too, um, and not really understanding a lot of the differences or tensions there. Um, And and I just, I truly just wanted to fit in so badly. I had a, a Korean partner in college. Um, and that ended like really terribly for a number of reasons. Um, but there, I felt like was a lot of myself that I abandoned because I wanted to fit in because I wanted to prove that I was Korean, that like I was Asian enough. Um, and yeah, man, I was just, it was just really, it was really hard and really painful. And I think it took a lot of time to try to reclaim, what that meant and redefine my identity based on my own terms rather than how people labeled me. Um, and I would say to this state like, that's still something that I'm working through.
4: You also went back to Korea and lived there and taught there for a while. Is that right?
2: Um, just for, like, one summer. I was there for a couple of months. Oh. I had an internship. Yeah.
4: Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Um, was that... What was that experience like when... For you as an adoptee and also as someone coming to terms with what it means to be an Asian and a Korean uh, in America, specifically?
2: So I... I had a homestay family, which was really great. They didn't really speak much English. So my language skills drastically improved. Um, <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> the, the family I stayed with, I actually still talk to them. Um, they're like the loveliest people. That's I, awesome. they have two kids. They had two kids at the time. Their son was like nine and their daughter was like 16, but she was in boarding school. So like I stayed in her room and I think, my host mom was just so excited that I wanted to hang out with her like every day and learn how to like cook all the Korean food. And I think her her daughter was in the phase of like, get away from me, mom. I don't want (laughs) to hang out with you. Um, But I know that my host brother was like so disappointed when I showed up at the airport because my name is really white sounding. And I think he (laughs) thought like, oh, we're going to have this white girl come and live with us for like a (laughs) couple of months and how interesting that's going to be. And then like, I step out of the gate at the airport and like look like me. And he was just like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, there was a lot to learn. Like they were really patient and they explained a lot of Korean like traditions and customs. And at that point, I also had a handful of Korean friends from college who were back in Korea that summer. So I had people to hang out with and go out with and, and things like that. It was so mind blowing to be in a place where I looked like everybody else. And that was really exciting. And it was also really scary because I feel like I, I lived in a state of fear and anxiety for a long time that people would ask me things and I wouldn't be able to respond to them. And I would I would like out myself that like, mm-hmm. oh, you look the part, but um, but you're not actually one of us. Um, So I did a lot of pointing and I, I, tried, I was like pretty good at ordering food and like, I would just kind of try to leave it at that a lot of the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of pointing. It's amazing. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially
1: what I did. So it was, I, I feel you yeah, on that one. Going to Korea, or I've even been to Japan and China too, I always feel that way too. I think, like, oh, wow, I'm surrounded by people that look like me. But but when I'm actually like asked a question or needing to read something, I feel so like a tourist. I feel completely foreign and uh, out of place. It's, it's a weird balance of trying to feel in place and actually feeling out of place at the same time um, did you, toward the end of your trip there, just, um, did you want to stay longer? Did you want to, did it spark more interest to learn more about the Korean culture as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was really appreciative to have that opportunity. Um, I haven't been back since then. I was actually supposed to go back to Korea last summer. Um, I got accepted onto a trip, um, through, I think it's like the Asia society for adult adoptees. And so like, if oh, you pay nice. your ticket, they cover everything else when you get there. And I was devastated when COVID hit. Um, yeah. and I was hoping to go this summer, but they've postponed it again. So like maybe next summer yeah. is, is the <sighs> time. Cause I think I was just so in awe of everything that I was seeing and experiencing that I didn't really spend a lot of time like mourning or trying to do a lot of, you know, deep soul searching or digging. I was just trying to take in as much as I could. Cause I was also like 21. Um, and I don't think like I fully like appreciated the experience that I had. Um, I did have the opportunity to go to the adoption agency um and that was a <laughs> unexpected story um i was i was taken to the adoption agency i did not know that's where we were going so that was
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. shoot
4: surprise Dang. yeah, yeah. Oh, Yikes. did they do that as a surprise was it an actual surprise for you like what were they hoping that it would be I that way
2: maybe <laughs> or maybe like my korean was just so bad i didn't understand what was <laughs> happening probably both <laughs> but my host father worked at the same company where i was interning it was a a, a textbook company. So they make like English language textbooks. Um, Hmm. And I remember like everyone used MSN messenger at work and he sent me a chat and all I picked up from it was like, we're going to leave at lunch today. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So he comes to pick me up and we got in the car and I think we're probably driving for a bit before I realized like where we're going. Like we're actually going to the agency, like where I was adopted from. And you know, like in, in Korea, like we love our, our, melodramas, but in terms of actually like outwardly showing your emotion in public. So there's my host father, there's, um, a social worker and there's a, a translator. And like, I'm sitting kind of between all of them in the office and they bring out the paperwork and they tell me about like my biological mother and father and how they met. And she gives me this paper and, I can see like where my birth mother like filled out the form by hand. And it's like the first concrete piece of evidence I've ever seen that proves that she's like a person, like that she held Mm -hmm. this paper and a pen and like she filled this out and I just lost my shit. And I'm just like (laughs) sitting there snotting all over the place, like (laughs) sobbing hysterically. And then all these other Korean people are just like, oh. God, like she's just emoting so much like <laughs> they would like awkwardly hand me tissues i got some like very awkward shoulder pads um and then there was like the offer of you know do you want to try to locate her um it turned out that like my biological father like went off to his military service they had broken up so my biological father didn't like, doesn't know that I was born or anything. And it felt kind of mean to be like 21 years later, like surprise, you have a kid. (laughs) Um, Especially like in in Korean society, probably wouldn't do that. Um, And they did warn me, you know, chances are she is married and has another family and there's a lot of shame and stigma around this. So if she doesn't want to meet you, like just understand like that is the context. And ultimately that's what happened. Um, But I did get, to write her a letter and just explained, you know, who I was and, you know, what I liked and what I was doing. And that, I don't know, tried to communicate a lot of things that I might be wondering if I were her in her position. Like I told her that I didn't hate her and that like, I understood why she did what she had to do, even though like it hurts. And I, sometimes go through phases of being really sad and like really angry about it. Like I also understood and then I had a really good life and that she shouldn't worry about me. So there was a lot of like emotion wrapped up in that, but I don't know. And then they made like a, a comment and a couple of other friends talked to me about this. That I thought it was so weird that at the time there was, I don't know if it's still on some like reality show where they reunite adoptees with their biological parents like mm-hmm. in a daytime talk show. And they're like, you know, there's a lot of resources there. So if you really <laughs> want to meet her, like this is an avenue you could go in. I was like, absolutely not. This sounds like the worst <laughs> thing ever. It's like the last thing that I want. Did you just, I I just did it,
0: this paper? <laughs> yeah. You want to do it on TV. No. <laughs>
2: Surprise again. (laughs) Definitely not.
4: (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. I was wondering, because as adoptees, I feel like we have this As we come out of this fog and we start to question things around our adoptions, one of those things is the stories that we've gotten about why we were adopted. Did that, when you found out what you, when you, at the agency, kind of you got to take a look at that uh, report, did that line up with what you had known before? Did you not really, did your parents not really have any information uh, when they did adopt you?
2: They didn't have any of like their, the backstory. We got like basic medical info, like their weight and their height and like where they lived, but that was it. Um, there was definitely some disappointment that my biological father like didn't know about me. Um, but not much you can do about it. Yeah. Just kind of sucked. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
0: (laughs) I am amazed listening to you speak at how often you think of the other parties that your life interacts with and how often you shift your paradigm to first consider (laughs) that, uh, like oh well in korean society it would be weird you know or whatever like i think understandably um partially i mean we literally have a podcast about it but um, uh like part of our thing in in centering our stories is like the stories that we tell are people who are like this is always feeling whatever and like we are the heroes of our own story and it is amazing to hear you speak and just be like even though it is your life, you are not necessarily your own hero. You're like, well, what about these supporting characters in my life? And how can I... I don't know. I uh, I don't have a question. I just thought that I know how much effort and skill and um, considerate thought it takes to regularly do that so much so that it is a habit. Uh, so I just wanted to say that I appreciate that.
2: Thank you. I mean, I would also credit a lot of the people that I've come in to, to interact with in my life. Um, I had a counselor when I was... Young, like probably middle school age, when I was having a rough time with dealing with being adopted. Um, And just like this was at camp, I had like kind of a meltdown about, you know, like does my biological mom like even know me or does she think about me or does she like move on with her life? Um, And one of my counselors, who was probably like in her early 20s, um, like took me aside and like we had a talk and she told me that when she was a teenager that she got pregnant and she had a baby and gave her baby up for adoption. And that there was never a day that went by that she didn't think about her child. And I don't know, that kind of just like reinforced at like a really young age of like, oh man, like there's, I don't know if I, I certainly didn't call it trauma at the time, but there is like loss and there is pain that is experienced by all parties. I would like to think that no parent would want to give up their child. Like if they had the support, if they had the resources, um, I don't know. I don't really blame her or anything like that. I don't have a lot of anger. I really, I feel a lot more anger at a society that is structured in a way where a single unwed woman feels like she has to give up her child. Like that is the only option. Like that's what makes me angrier.
4: One of the things that really, that I really appreciate about what you do, um, particularly on social media is diving into the history of things and really breaking it down even if it's at this even if it's at this entry level for people to like actually go and start doing the work themselves um i really appreciate the way that you're able to put what you've learned and and everything that you've uh gained over the years into a form that's palatable and digestible for other people um even though we should already be, be digesting that um for me, one of the biggest catalysts of all of this journey has been searching through the history and doing research about adoption, specifically in the system of adoption and things like that, um, and learning about adoptee experience. When was the first time that you really looked at the systems of adoption as being like, quote unquote, issues uh, or issue causings, um, particularly when it comes to like imperialism? Um, when was the first time that you really started looking at it in that uh, sense?
2: Probably in like my mid 20s, like grad school, like mid 20s, late 20s, it, it took a while to really figure out how all of these different systems are intertwined with one another. Um, like I had done some research around why Korea was like the main exporter of adopted children for such a long time. Um, and how that legacy is tangled up so much in like saviorism and in religion, um, and like i remember even asking my parents like why why did you choose a korean child like why and there are other people adopting kids from central america or you know from russia or from africa i guess there were like stricter like health regulations or something around korean mm. kids or maybe like certain systems were easier or I don't know. Adopting a kid is hard. Like the, the criteria, the boxes you need to check are pretty wild. Um, and it's yeah. very expensive too.
1: And it's gotten harder too.
2: Yeah. A- a and, lot harder. you know, I think as, as the further I've gone into like culturally responsive teaching into anti-bias and anti-racist work, um, examining the role of the United States and other Western nations in, you know, the structures, like the, the politics The violence that East Asia, Southeast Asia have experienced, it is, I don't know, it's really infuriating and it's really hard to like grapple and reconcile with those things that as Asian adoptees, that we, that one of the reasons why we are literally here right now is a direct result of US imperialism. And that Mm -hmm. can be a really hard pill to swallow sometimes. I, have to, I feel like I have to limit how much time I spend thinking about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, are you saying that's like a downer of a subject that like messes with your brain sometimes? <laughs> Wild. <laughs> I'm in that same boat right now. Like you gotta, I gotta be limiting
4: the amount that I'm thinking about it because I've just I, in May of last year, just been on this sprint of just like taking in all this knowledge that I for 30 years neglected, uh, not only about being adopted, but about being an Asian person in general, especially in this country. Um, And it's a lot and it's like, and a lot of it can be like really defeating, I guess, in a way, because it can seem like it's just this overwhelming thing that you can't get out from under, um, especially when you, especially when you start this journey and you go through it alone. I think it can be a very lonely journey. Um, something I've been really grateful for has been finding KJ and Nathan and Jerry. Um, but then other people in the adoptee community, um, Have you had a lot of experience being able to engage with other adoptees, like either at a conference or just uh, on social media or however, um, or what's that experience been like for you?
2: Truthfully, it's been like fairly limiting. Mm. Um, I've been able to connect with far more people through Instagram and social media, um, I presented at Teacher America's, um, Asian American Pacific Islander Native Hawaiian conference last year and was asked to facilitate, um, an affinity group for Asian adoptees, which actually was the first time I've ever been in a space just full of wow. people who share that identity. Um, yeah. folks were from, adopted from China, from Vietnam, from Korea. Um, and there was a lot of different feelings. I think like a lot of the Chinese adoptees were unpacking, um, the legacy of the one child policy and how like that was like the their catalyst of how they ended up like arriving here. And I think because so much of Korea's history of adoption also ties into like the Korean war and how it ended and how it is seen and portrayed from an American or like Western lens of like, we defeated communism. And like, then we drew this line and like, you know, here we are but there's just so much messiness and so much loss involved that never gets acknowledged. And that's really hard. Um, One of my closest friends here in DC is also adopted, but she is black and she had a domestic adoption. So there are a lot of things that we certainly get together and talk about and commiserate on, but there are also a lot of differences too, but it is nice to be in community with people who are just like, I get it. There's a lot of, um, a lot of unsaid things that you don't need to say that, which, which is really nice to not have to explain it to people.
4: Yeah, I feel like um, just being with people who get it. And that's the thing with the pandemic is like uh, starting this journey at this time has been both a blessing or curse and a blessing. A curse because I can't go meet everyone in person, but a blessing because I've been able to meet so many more people um, and sit in a, it's sitting in on conversations where I don't have to sit and explain what it means to be adopted. It's more like, let's talk about, you know how this made you feel you don't have to give all of the precursor to like leading up to it um i wanted to ask one other thing about all of this stuff like you said it informs kind of the way you approach education for kids and perspective perspective based education um, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that specific type of work uh, that you do for education and then talk a l- and Well, actually, I'll follow up with one other thing after that. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Sure. Nice. I told one you I didn't know, know what I was doing. I told you I didn't
4: know what I was doing.
1: The last, last question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have I'm one last
2: question and then Maybe one more, more last questions. question. Yeah. Um, so the work that I do with kids, uh, some of it depends on age and some of it does not. Um, I teach sixth grade now, but my bulk of my career has been teaching Elementary school. At this point, I have now taught first through sixth grade, um, but doing a lot of work rooted in identity and also building relationships with families and caregivers at the beginning of the year to try to understand as much about my students and where they're coming from as possible. I have had a lot of really negative experiences around like name projects and like family tree projects as a kid. So also bringing in that trauma-informed lens too, to make sure that before I'm asking my students to engage in like their ancestry and their history, that I have an understanding of who they are and they do too, or I've communicated with their family in a way that helps me support them in class. Um, Because I think a lot of teachers get really excited about identity work and like, oh, let's talk about like the origin of your name and like who named you and who you're named after and what it means. And like when you're adopted, it's so complicated Um, and it's really it's painful too. like, I was at a workshop not long ago just with other educators. And like the icebreaker was like, talk about your name. And that immediately took me to like a, I don't want (laughs) to engage with any of you about this. Like, I don't know any of you (laughs) also like, which name should I pick? Like, should I pick like my Korean given name? Should I pick like the, the name that like my adoptive family gave me that I go by? Like, I also have a, a Hebrew name. Like what, what are we talking about here? Um, so like if I do a variation with that with my students, I'll usually say that you can pick your name or you can pick like a nickname. Like, is there a funny nickname that like your family calls you something endearing or your friends call you to make it just like more accessible and inclusive for students and you still get to know them. Um, but to not like make those assumptions that everyone is going to be excited or able to engage like this. And I know with... Um, other families and friends who are black, like tying in like legacy of like enslavement and names and how like history has been lost and names have been lost. These are all things that teachers need to just be aware of before giving out those kinds of assignments. So that's just one example.
4: I really appreciate that work. Yeah. Because when I first came across your account, which was really early in my journey, I was like, I didn't really even understand like what an a bar like anti biased anti racist education would be or what it was. And then when I'm like following along, I'm like, why didn't I learn any of this in school? Like, why didn't I learn? Like, if I would have learned some of this, I would have had, as Sarah Jones talks about, the safe spaces to maybe own my own story and talk about it and the language to potentially talk about it. And my parents might have had that too. Um, And this was the the last, last question I wanted to ask. Um, You are an author and you have a book coming out very soon um, that touches on that. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Um, I also unpack a lot of the adoption identity stuff in the introduction too. I deleted mm. a bunch of it. I thought it was too much <laughs> <laughs> when I went back to do copy edits. That's, that's for your
0: next <laughs> book. Oh, yeah.
2: Part two. Um, but I, I don't have the the advanced copy now, but I can show you the the cover of it. It's called Start Here, oh, Start cool. Now a Guide to Anti-Bias, Anti-Racist Work in Your School Community. Um, it was born out of an Instagram poll that I did like two, maybe almost three years ago. But just asked teachers, if you're not focusing on social justice in your classroom, but you want to be, why are you not doing it? Um, I got over like 200 responses from people and based on their responses, was able to sort them into a number of categories. And those categories became the themes of each chapter of the book. So if it's around... Um, your administration is really unsupportive or you're scared of parents or you teach kindergarten. So like, what does that even look like? Or you teach math and science and like, those are objective subjects. So like, what do you mean? Like be anti-bias in my science class. Um, or like really practical things that I think extend beyond classroom educators. Like I'm terrified that someone's going to say something and I don't know how to respond to it. There's like a whole chapter on that. Um, <laughs> Being able to think about, like, you know, when I'm in stressful situations, like, do I, am I combative? Do I just like pretend I didn't hear anything? And also, when you are working with someone who's maybe like six years old, how are you going to respond to them in a way that invites curiosity and conversation instead of shaming them and shutting them down? Because I do think that classrooms are like the last safe space and they are truly not safe for everyone. But they should be places where kids can ask questions and they can mess up without, you know, a ton of like repercussion in their life. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important to remember that, you know, even kids who are in high school or kids who are in college, like they're still really young and there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to unlearn. Um, but if we can normalize talking about gender and religion and race and all of our different social identifiers that maybe people won't run away from these conversations and like, you know, more challenging dialogues that people will maybe lean into it and like be okay with things being open-ended and uncertain and you possibly being wrong because we're all going to be wrong sometimes, but just to not let that fear prevent you from engaging.
1: That's great. Everything you've said and everything that you do on your Instagram has been, uh, I think, um, very important for a lot of people. Uh, everyone's been, uh, you have 150,000 followers. I think that, that, that's amazing that there are that many people. And I hope more coming to, to follow you and learning about this, uh, uh, all these topics that you talk about. Um, another adoption, my last adoption question, I guess is, is, uh, is, is one that I'm very interested in hearing about from you. Um, tell us about your bunnies.
2: Oh, my bunnies. (laughs) So they're adopted too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I knowing where you, go. where that was going, I was
4: like, uh, <laughs> I did. I actually thought you weren't going to go there. I was like, ah. you got a different lesson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I see your posts and you occasionally put the hashtag bunny mama. So, uh, you know, we, we had bunnies as well, but I, I'm very curious about your bunnies too. So I see them in the background <laughs> right there, but.
2: Oh uh, yeah. They are super cute and not very social. Um, <laughs> They are both adopted. Piffany is the white one and she came from the South LA pound. So I think she has collected a lot more trauma because she was in like, this <laughs> tiny little cage for months. She doesn't really trust people. Um, Blue, who is the black one with a white nose, um, was born into a foster home. And so he is a lot more comfortable with people. Like you can pick him up and he will not throw a fit. She will Aww. not even let you pick her up. <laughs> um <laughs> but yes i do use them on instagram like their hashtag is woke bunnies and that's how i woke bunnies how i talk about books like because people post plenty of pictures of books but if you have a book and a bunny people be like oh Mm, that's cute i might be more likely (laughs) to read it (laughs) and Uh, it's worked though yeah it's a cute trap <laughs> you know clickbait is clickbait I know how Instagram <laughs> algorithms work it's mine. yeah, go for yours
4: <laughs> that's amazing
2: I would um, love to talk to all of you about the adoption book that I'm writing now, I think all of you would be able to give a lot of really great feedback.
0: Probably mostly Patrick. And then also I would be there just being like, <laughs> yeah, Patrick, you
4: say the thing. <laughs> Don't put me on that pedestal. Don't, I would love, to, I would definitely love to even just like look at it and, and well, read it obviously, but just like, um just, no, no, just, see it, just see it on a shelf. I'm in like this huge, like read mode. I just have a stack of books that I'm just, trying to get through and any anything that i can take in right now i had i had one of the people i really look up to in this i was like i asked her i'm like what should i be doing uh as far as reading and she's like well every book that you read look at the bibliography and then read all of those books and i was like okay and like the very first one of the book that i was reading was like 600 pages long i was like oh no (laughs) but but that was just like it's just it's been a challenge it's been like a really great challenge to like step into reading again for the first time in like 10 15 years like being an actual reader um so really excited for your teacher this next book to come out because i'm not even a teacher but i feel like this is stuff that can translate over into different areas not just what you utilize in the classroom thank you (laughs) where can people find your book and where else can people find you on the internet where you want to be found
2: Sure. So the book can be ordered through Heinemann Publishing. Um, it is on Amazon, but I ask people to not buy from Amazon if possible. Uh, unless you're in Canada, they think it's either Pearson or Amazon, and both of those are frankly uh, eh, so here we are. (laughs) I hope no one from my publisher is listening. Um, And you can find me on Instagram or Twitter. The handle is at teach and transform. I have a website with the same name that my mom tells me I need to update. So maybe don't go there. Yeah. (laughs) Mainly Instagram. I have Twitter, but um, I am by far more active on Instagram and do more, I think like public sharing and teaching there. I'm about to put up a series of posts around cannabis justice okay. so we'll see how many of those mm. 150,000 people stick around for that. Or maybe you
4: get a couple more. <laughs> we'll, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, I we really I can say I really appreciate that you uh were able to take time to be with here be with us here on the show. Um well, I know there's tons more stuff that we could talk about, but I know we have a drink lined up. So we're going to quickly cut to a break, and we'll be right back to drink some... Well, I'm not going to spoil it here. So <laughs> be right back. Drink something.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to the John Chi Show. We are drinking a Korean alcohol drink. Uh, a number of korean alcohols or a number of uh, <laughs> korean adjacent uh, i don't i don't know actually we are um,
1: drinking in the afternoon
0: yeah here's the deal
2: <laughs> it's monday we're you know. for a, a classic yeah, John okay. so
4: well,
3: normally um, we're doing we this were on given, friday
0: so it makes a lot more sense
3: exactly. <laughs> <Sure>. yeah
0: <laughs> uh we were given a four pack of maku which is a uh makkoli it's a spin on like what is what is makkoli korean it's a korean korean rice rice beer yeah i've not even i don't know that i've had the original but um this four pack came with a number of flavors there's the original there's mango there's blueberry and passion fruit which is the one Mm -hmm. that we will be trying today and then i will immediately be trying the original flavor so i can know what it's supposed to be like before the flavor question for the people in the room is this the thing that's always served up in those giant glass jars and all the K-dramas that i would be seeing. Uh, Jerry Nice head had yes. co- silent. <laughs> yes, the answer is Well, the stuff that yes. I've
1: seen, so I've had it before the actual makoli and it's it's like a, a you know, cloudy white um mm. liquid in a bottle. So it's it, you know, it not looks,
0: <laughs> it's not murky, not murky, it's cloudy
1: anything. white. Okay. I it's <laughs> completely say anything. different. That's, that's why I'm lame. explaining what it is instead of Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Just it, I mean, me it from looks like already. if you've ever had the certain types of sake that have the unfiltered um, okay. in it as well. It's, it's very similar. So, But this is rice wine. I like the packaging, though. Not only did it come with this cool—I mean, it's a very minimalistic uh, a packaging design. Yep. Uh, it came with it. some stickers, which I thought was really nice, a little uh, um, white— uh, stickers that I that I used already. So, I, I like the packaging. I like the feel of the can, too. Not to go all weird on it, but it's like all matte white. So, I don't know. It just feels nice. Korea's so. oldest
4: alcoholic drink, uh, yeah. according to the can. And it does have some Unfiltered, instructions.
1: Shake and Joy. And it says it's born in New York City, but brewed in Korea. So, they're not... Oh. Uh, <laughs> They're for not the, actually brewing it in uh, New York City either. So For our listeners theory. at home, they Basically know me. we can read
4: because we are reading directly <laughs> off of the camera. Yes. <laughs> <Totally> <laughs> nailing it. Oh, I'm notes. so
2: curious about this whole shaking thing. We cannot yeah. wait to I see don't. what happens let's, let's, here. Let's,
1: we I'm just kind of gently types rocking of shaking, it back and forth. A big shake. Patrick is going hard in oh, the paint Oh gosh, I just turned mine upside down. That's I just did this. That was my shake.
4: My shake does not mean go like this. Shake means get get a shake. I'm
1: it. a little worried. Uh, one time, I'll I shook a Hawaiian beer. punch, and I'll never do it again. So. Perfect. You shook your...
0: Wait, you're worried
1: because you shook Hawaiian punch one and time? And it exploded everywhere. I even wrote the company, and they sent me a free coupon. Oh, Okay, moving on. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it, it bubbled over. It so bubbled so over. Somebody got some over the place. and
1: is going to need a rag. It is amazing. All right. I have a carpet, um, so
4: it just soaks right up it's fine yeah maku that what so, i was
1: worried about should i get it so towel? delicious i just tried it okay I'm
4: good. this is um, pretty good all right i'm bad. Yeah, no this passion food expl- flavor is no bomb. so
0: big shout out to carol pak who is the founder who also just got married so felicia huh. congratulations. Uh, can, congratulations carol congratulations <laughs> carol hooray i don't know why i went with spanish but you know whatever That's, that is what it is uh you can listen to her episode on dear asian americans Is it episode forty-one? Yes. Oh, Jerry is lost. He's in bliss. He doesn't even know. Am I being included for this? Do
3: I? Do I get the? I'm only included for the drinking episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Jerry's (laughs) like (laughs) for for long-term fans of the Mm, Jati show. (laughs) What a coincidence! He only shows up when they drink. Why? Mm. Why, Carol? I like this. That's
1: the role of the producer. Yeah. This is. mm. This This is good. good. This is much better than the 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 regular mockery that I had last time. Okay, okay, yeah. So, so tell me the what the difference flavor. is. Right, for, yeah, yeah, for you. For me, the difference is flavor. This one's got the passion food flavor to it, so it's a tad sweeter, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just got more. The other one just tastes like a oh, rice wine. Like if you've had sake, it just tastes like an alcohol. I've not had it's not sake very either. flavorful. Um, this actually, the passion fruit, it's not super sweet. I mean, it literally is like a flavored seltzer beverage of rice. It's not alcohol. bubbly, though. Like, it's not
0: really carbonated. No, it's so, not very carbonated. Uh, honestly, that sh- it says more about Patrick's violent shaking ability than it does about the carbonation. <laughs> okay, maybe. Of- Yep. <laughs> I will say it's very smooth
4: drink. So we on the yeah. show we know it's this canon that bad. I have to chug every beverage that we try. So I chug this. I'm surprised this you're not it done was, already. You are done. It? I am done. Oh, oh my go. gosh. Yeah, this was Brilliant. really smooth.
0: Was yeah, <laughs> I didn't even I'm, see you do
4: it. i wow. in Indiana. I'm, I grew up in Indiana. You have to learn how to chug stuff. That's. Yeah. I feel like that's something that happens <laughs> in, this, in the Midwest. Uh-huh. But it's incredibly smooth i think that's what when you're talking about the like carbonation like it just yeah. dissipates and it's really it really goes right down so
1: yeah there's no mm-hmm. way i would be able to chug a a, a beer because mm. it's carbonated i know people do it but i definitely could not
0: nathan when we get together, oh, we're goodness. chugging we,
1: that, that was not a challenge.
4: <laughs>
0: One day when we meet, Patrick will school us on how to chug things. Yes,
1: exactly.
4: <laughs> I don't know if that's a talent that I'm proud to be. Let's cut that out. We're going to cut that well, out. Well, you
1: know, you win some, you <laughs> lose some.
0: It's all staying in.
1: But so, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Liz, have you had macaroni in the past before?
2: No, I hadn't had either of the, of the drinks before. Oh, okay. It was, all, it was huh. all new.
1: Yeah, Very smooth. I'm, I'm Interesting. liking this. I'm really curious about the other flavors. The uh, the blueberry and the mango look really tasty. You just pop also. it open and
0: chug it. Pop it open Why? and chug it. I don't want to.
1: You... <laughs> all right, okay. I'm going to do You're the like a dad I'm going to at, at least drink it.
0: Which, one, it. One, wait, which one are knows. you opening? It's blueberry. I'm going to try it. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. But we have to yeah, do is, the other one, too. Jerry, where can people buy this? they can
3: follow at drinkmaku on Instagram, M-A-K-K-U. So you you can find that on most H-marts locally Mm -hmm. if you have an H-mart, or I guess depending on where you live. Um, If you knew or didn't know, alcohol in in our great country is regulated by 50-plus different legal codes because it's a state's right, and so it's complicated for folks to get it distributed. Um, You can also find this on craftbeerkings.com for nationwide delivery. But uh, direct nationwide delivery is coming from Maku soon, because um, I believe they're working with the same people that are working or uh, that Lunar, the team Lunar is working with. Can they do direct delivery? Mm. So I yeah. like the direct delivery that they do. Mm-hmm. So that's
4: a yeah. good, that's a good feature.
1: I know there's some states that don't allow it, but uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. I thought you were going to say Thanks more. Like, well, I know it's good. it sucks.
3: <laughs> sorry to use
1: it in those states. But I, I luckily, don't know what else to
3: say. but luckily, <laughs> the five of us live in four states and a district exactly. where delivery is possible. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, Michigan, but to everybody <laughs> else, mm-hmm. uh, hope you can enjoy this at some point.
4: It may be because I chugged the passion fruit, but this blueberry kind of tastes like the passion fruit one. That's and definitely a, a good because thing. you chugged the passion huh. fruit. I think I my didn't say for it one time. million percent. <laughs> of your fault. I have that problem. We've we discussed that issue. I have here gold? on the show because I eat everything too
0: quickly. Um, <laughs> that's a, it's Ooh, an issue that I have. The mango has
1: got more, okay? Yeah, so. I will
0: say this is really sweet without being like obnoxiously sweet, right? Like, uh, like so it's perfect for me i think it's probably the same level of like a yeah like a flavored hard seltzer mm-hmm. um which we actually have that oh, to yeah. try as well let's right? do that so before i get too far into this other one yeah yeah um so this if you follow us on instagram you've seen us uh try this live with their founder but this is lunar hard seltzer mm-hmm. um we were given three flavors there is i almost said kimchi that's not right there's <laughs> there is p- korean plum and there is yuzu uh, which all three are delicious i have now tried all, th- all of them they're really really good um but so it's like if you're if you're trying to expand your flavor palette if you're trying to be more hipster than you already are grab <laughs> yourself a lunar is <laughs> <laughs> that an official plug <laughs> i mean that's how i'm gonna pitch i feel it like that was the miss- most neutral commercial i've ever
4: heard
1: i just realized the lunar has the similar matte feel to it too that i like
2: <laughs> yeah, the cans are very pretty. Yeah. Just, He's just like, really I'm nice. lost in the packaging of I it. I like the uh, packaging. This is I mean, come
1: on. Gorgeous, the Lunar even has that cute beautiful. little symbol there. I don't know if you can see. It's got a cute symbol. I don't know. I'm all about packaging. Yeah. I also <laughs> noticed, which we didn't get into, but the mango of the maku uh, is going to be 26 Bro, there's an accent over the A.
0: <laughs> it's so maku. Gonna be,
1: maku is going to be really yeah. sweet. We are a mess. So to try that one later. Let's try this. This is great. Lychee. Lychee. I've been pronouncing it wrong, apparently, my whole life. I've always said lychee.
0: Well, you know, it sounds like you've always been wrong.
4: Apparently. We've already talked about Lunar before. So, what are, we, what are you guys rating? Let's talk about ratings. Oh, yeah, real we quick do ratings. I was like, how do, we, how do
0: we end the show? We do or as ratings. Nathan for- calls it
4: Maku. Maku.
0: <laughs> Makuna Matata. So, it's Maku.
1: All right, Nathan, what do you got? Five out of five. No hesitation. <laughs> it's good. I drink
0: it again. I'm trying not to drink the rest.
1: It's two
0: o'clock. <laughs> Wait, what? I oh, got kids. Live it up. I, you are a dad, I guess. Your your tolerance is probably pretty yeah. shot. Um, and I'm yeah,
1: I'm in high altitude now, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot. Yeah, about I'm that. looking out a window right now. It's hitting
0: like a hammer.
4: Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I forgot about I'm, that. All right, Nathan's five out of five. KJ. Uh
0: yeah, also five out of five. Um, this is like the perfect alcoholic beverage for me it's not like so strong that i'm worried about just like flushing red in 10 seconds and then feeling bad the rest of the night like this is it's great it's uh super drinkable on its own would be a perfect compliment to um, a good dish um yeah i i love it so five out of five will repeat liz you had tried this Right? Before?
2: Yeah. Okay,
4: perfect. Uh, what about you?
2: Passion fruit, anything is mm. always great. Like, if I can find a passion who flavored whatever, I'm here for it. So, I echo mm. what everyone else said.
4: Perfect. I'm going to give it a five as well. Uh, fives across the board! Fives across yeah. the board for ability specifically for me. For- <laughs> <laughs> Flavor and everything else, also fives, but chuggability. Perfect for and- the Midwest. Drink Thanks for asking,
3: Patrick. I also <laughs> rated a five.
4: Oh, sorry, Jerry. I Sometimes you're in and out. I forget. So Jerry also gave it a five. <laughs> you still A five here, out of five <laughs> out of five. <laughs> yeah. um, we haven't rated Lunar, though. So we've talked about it. But what would you guys rate Lunar as? How many moons? How many <laughs> moons? How many also five. Lunar moons? Yeah, five out of five.
0: Well. Um, Yeah, I guess we didn't have an opportunity. To, I, I love hard seltzers because um, I... That's just apparently my brand. Um, and so having one that is specifically Hipster. like Korean flavors or Asian flavors, like I'm all for that. So five. I'm going to say,
2: you know Ooh, what? I'm going to retroactively
0: it. give this to both. Six out of five. I knew you were going to do that. Wow. they wow. Because I like, I love snacks. Don't get me wrong. And it's not like I'm just like. Like I, I, don't actually drink that much alcohol in my life, so finding the right thing that I choose to drink consistently is really difficult. But like Maku and Lunar both are like I would, this is these are amazing. These are dangerous for my my beer belly or lack thereof. You know, like I would I would gain a lot of weight drinking well, yeah, these, look but at the it would be worth content. it.
2: Just look at the uh, calorie man. content. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Don't the calories. Like <clears throat> don't
2: count those calories.
1: I, I would say too that, that if you like sweeter drinks, go with the maku. If you like the less sweeter <laughs> drinks, go with the lunar. That's my observation.
2: Oh.
4: We're gonna land. I think that lunar will be like
2: drink of the summer, because I mean heart sellers mm-hmm. are just so refreshing. I like the yuzu. I know that wasn't everyone's here. I like citrusy <laughs> things. So if you have like citrus and it's cold and it's bubbly, like I'm there for that.
4: I'm going to have agree. to revisit that one. That was my, probably my least favorite, but not that they were all, not that that was bad. I I liked it, but not my favorite. I think sure. the the I don't yuzu, think you could really <clears throat> tell because you chug
0: them anyways oh, okay. <laughs> while we were listening to your reviews. That is very <laughs> true. <laughs> no, I think the Yuzu is good. It's just, it's like a really subtle flavor. You know what I mean? Like, per, that's how, how I think of it. Whereas, like, lychee and plum both like kind of smack you in the face with their flavor, which I, as a not very, uh, drink connoisseur like that's just not a thing so i'm like i kind of need to be hit over the head with flavor but yuzu <laughs> is really nice it is refreshing and light it's just a little more subtle so that's why i like the other ones more
1: and speaking of that i actually you were mentioning liz that you love passion fruit stuff i actually typically don't like passion fruit stuff i find it too too where are you eating all this passion fruit? too strong and too Bitter or, or pungent. I don't know. What's not pungent. pungent. What's the word? <laughs> Sour, I guess, sometimes. Tangy. Mm. Tangy. Yeah, yeah. Too tangy sometimes. If you actually have like a real passion fruit um dessert or something, like I feel like it makes my mouth just uh, sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, this one, one time for didn't the do audio. That. I was a little worried that this was going to happen like that. I was like, passion fruit drink. Uh oh. I'm going to be like hit over the head like KJ is saying <laughs> with passion fruit. <laughs> But it wasn't. It's a mild passion fruit. It's really it's it's I don't know. I I like it a lot. So.
4: All right. Well, Liz, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, We kept you much longer, I think, than we initially had planned to keep you. Um, So I really appreciate it again just for our YouTube audience, I guess. Could you just tell everybody where we can find your book and where we'll be able to find you at on the Internet?
2: Uh, sure. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at, at and transform. Um, my book is called start here, start now a guide to anti-bias and anti-racist work in our school community. It's so long that sometimes I have to like check the title as I'm saying <laughs> it, which is not a great look. Um, that is published through. It is a Publishing. great
0: book. Okay. <laughs> I got
4: if back, you. If you see it, it's
2: got a big orange arrow on the front. <laughs> That's Perfect. The most distinguishing feature.
4: <laughs> Excellent. So look for that big orange <laughs> arrow. <laughs> please buy
0: it. Um,
4: you will definitely be able to find that in our show notes linked down at the bottom. I don't I'm pointing down. No one can even see my hand because I can see it in my camera. Um, anyways, <laughs> you can find us at John Chi Show on all the social media platforms. You can send us an email to John Chi Show at gjustlikemedia.com. Uh please join us on Facebook at the John Chi Show after party and go to John johnchishow.com backslash support uh to support us in any way if you want people are buying coffee mugs right now and that's awesome yeah so keep buying those that's great um <laughs> I actually mean, don't I you say, don't have to buy they them don't if have don't to be coffee
3: mugs yeah you if can you buy don't whatever drink coffee, you want, <laughs> we have whatever stickers, beverage you want we'll, we'll have shirts soon too so yeah, yeah. Uh. and soon patrick's gonna be available for your hiring on cameo.com yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> i was gonna, gonna hire and him and do, wish happy sh- birthday Yes. soon be available Patrick for cameo hires i'm at yes, a nice. five thousand dollar
4: a minute uh, <laughs> oh. rate so hey, just well. to let you know that i've got a lot of demand and you um, can find you... <laughs>
0: nathan on onlyfans.com slash no walk photo <laughs> <Find me>
3: buried in snow.com <laughs>
4: <Yikes>. buried in snow.com <laughs> uh, but JK.
0: yes you can find me
1: in colorado now for all you listeners um, uh, Or on Instagram,
0: photo or NNoWalk on uh, my personal account. You can find me at Patrick in the World. You can find me on the internet at KJ Rilke, RoeLke. Please find me if you want to. Oh, uh, I have a new single dropping on Friday, so if you want to check that out wherever you stream your music, it's a Ooh. sad boy song because that's all oh. that I can
3: write. Ooh, I'm excited oh. for that. Well, and as a parting thought, <laughs> I am so excited because it's the first time for the Asian Americans guests have performed, or uh, coordinated a show together.
0: Wow. And Check all us out.
3: for Yeah, and and, and for uh, current adoptees whose, whose voices need more amplification and more stories told. So this has been really special, uh, one, to be friends with all of you, but to hear this conversation. And I know, Liz, we even talked when we were recording that there are things that I will never be able to understand and resonate with. And so I am so glad that you got a chance to talk with the guys and, and to share um, stories in a way that only you guys can. And so... Um, it's been a real special treat, um, to, to be, you know, a part of, uh, y'all journeys and thank you for bringing so much joy and happiness and, um, education to my life as well. So. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks,
2: uh, this is
0: actually the backdoor pilot for when Liz joins the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we yes. finally get some dang diversity up in here. Yeah, Patrick, we're gonna, we've are gonna. we been looking for ways to replace Patrick ever since we started.
0: <laughs> yeah, since episode. he gets too big for his um, britches. I'm not wanted like, well, he's he's, he's don't like, forget you, John Show. I've got my own publications. And then, okay. 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 Right. Well, I can't
4: think of a better way to end the show than that beautiful <laughs> note from uh, Jerry uh, cutting out everything that just happened in the last
0: five seconds. Because nope. um, you referenced it, so now I can't <laughs> cut it out. John Chi, okay, we'll see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, great, oh, that's good.